Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. So, Lucas, what were you saying about uh, uh, your experiences with with Raw 25? Deja vu. It feels like we were just talking about this. <laughs> uh, yeah. I uh, And you know what? Wrestling's pretty much the same way where you feel like you're experiencing the same thing over and over and over again for, let's say, 25 years. And it never changes and you think it's going to get better and it never does. You know, we are a, almost we are exactly 20 years removed from when you could turn on the TV and see Stone Cold Steve Austin give a Stone Cold Stunner to Vince McMahon. But lo and behold, 20 years later, you could see it on your TV last night. Man, does that never get old. You know what? That might have been the one part of the entire show that I actually enjoyed. But, okay. uh, yeah, Raw 25, whew, a little bit of a snooze fest. Yeah, Lucas is indeed repeating himself because, uh, <laughs> uh whoops, I forgot to press record. You see, Blech. you see, you can be three seasons deep into, uh, a series like Arthur and you can still, uh, you can still make mistakes and we often do, uh, including myself. This is Will Young. And uh, you are listening to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. And, of course, not forgetting uh, the very patient Lucas Mancini. Hopefully we'll have all these mistakes ironed out by the time we get to Arthur 25 in yeah, that, that, six that, or that, so years. Yeah, for, uh, like that would be 2021. Ooh, we're fresh off the excitement of the Tokyo Olympic Games. Uh, we have a new president, or the same president, I guess. New president, And yeah, we're celebrating 25 years of Arthur at that point. For sure. Uh, and uh, we look forward to that because, of course, Arthur's still running uh, 20 years later and, and still going. So, my goodness, uh, what's to say we won't see Arthur 25 uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, now, we, before we get into today's episode, which has been highly anticipated by the two of us, we have a piece of email that was delivered to us at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com that uh, is going to blow your hair back. We've got some exclusive information here. See, this time I have the button ready because we're recording this again. It's a hot <sighs> exclusive. Bow, 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 bow. That's right, ECL exclusive coming at you here. Uh, on the email, this one is from Yoshi. Yoshi. Oh, the one and only? Uh, well, Yoshi no longer the one and only. Uh, this is uh, Yoshi L. Uh, not sure where they're from, but... Uh, okay, not, not to be confused with uh, Yoshi T. Munchakupas. No, definitely, definitely not Yoshi T. M., unfortunately. Uh, well, but, I, I say unfortunately, but this Yoshi is uh, quite interesting themselves. Uh, Dear Lucas and Will, I do not say lightly when I say that I may in fact 
be the biggest Arthur fan ever. I think we wow. So we could we could call off the search, Lucas. I think we found. Her. <laughs> oh man, at that's 25... like a whole week of content we were going to plan. Like, who's the big yeah. Arthur fan? At 25 years old, I am known as the Arthur girl to practically everyone I know. I've danced the Arthur theme song to convince people to vote for me for home qu- for homecoming queen in 2010. In parentheses, it worked. And I use Arthur clips and episodes to be more relatable to my high school students all the time. Oh, high school teacher. All the respect in the world to you. I found out about ECL because I wanted to do an Arthur podcast, but I wanted to make sure no one else had done one already. To be fair, I don't think you can be beat. Sorry, sorry, Yoshi. We beat you to the punch. (laughs) I'm blushing. That said, I have a little bit of insider knowledge that might be of great interest to you. I know that Mark, referring to Mark Brown, in parentheses, can I refer to him by his first name? Doesn't have the biggest role in the TV series, but he gave a talk about his work in 2015. Revealed something about Francine that cannot be ignored. (gasps) My, My friend was in the audience at the Madison, Wisconsin talk, and another audience member asked if Arthur and Francine would get together in the future. And we've wondered that ourselves. She told me that he responded with, and I'm quoting here. Well, Francine is gay, so. Oh my goodness! My friend's sister and I have been thinking th- about this since at least 2009, and were elated when this was confirmed. I'm guessing the writers didn't know this in the early days of the show. Maybe Mark didn't even know then. Probably Francine didn't, since the creator himself says so. Is it canon? Anyway, I think it's nice to have a little uh, LGBTQ plus representation, even if it's not visible yet. I'd really like to see an episode with a family with two moms or two dads. Arthur's pretty good at showing different types of families otherwise, even if Postcards from Buster did pull that one episode about the kid with two moms. Didn't hear about that. Anyway, thanks for doing this podcast. I have almost every Arthur episode from 1996 to 2000 practically memorized. Me too, Yoshi. And I get a big kick out of someone else talking about them for a change. Two favorites are The Blizzard and Elwood City Turns 100, which we will be That's crazy in the future. Best of luck, Yoshi. Dude, this is huge news. There's a, there's a, well, so there's a couple things unpacked. First of all, good taste in episodes. The Blizzard, some might not know this, is when we were first talking about uh, this show in the early stages, is by memory my favorite Arthur episode. I'm not sure if it'll hold up once we re watch, but I adore The Blizzard. Mm. Uh, secondly, I think if uh, the man himself, Mark Brown, downtown Mark Brown, says it, I think it is canon. Um, and I'm not surprised it hasn't popped up in the show yet or anything like that, because they are in third grade, so or second grade even. Uh, third. So, third, okay. But still, um, so I'm sure it's not like a, uh, a super apparent thing yet, but uh, I'm glad to hear that. That's super interesting. And I always thought that Arthur was going to end up with Sue Ellen anyway. I'm sticking with that headcanon. I mean, come on. It's in the, what, second season? Yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you on that front. And I also think that this is great news. In fact, what excites me about this is that now a potential a potential ship that is not that is, you know, not just something we could talk about, it could very well be real one day, is Francine and Muffy. You never know. I see more of a Francine and Fern than a Francine and hmm. Muffy. I just okay. I, I wouldn't want to live with Muffy and I can't see Francine wanting to either. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Francine and Fern are such di- like diametric opposites. Like, I don't know if even that could work either. But hey, you it's never like that know- Paula Abdul song, baby. I I like to drink 
and she likes to smoke. You know, where she was with that cat. MC and the Scat cat, cat. Yes, MC Scat Cat. He was different, but they, you know, they still had that kind of energy with each other. Sometimes. Uh, I love that song. Well, this is definitely... I've learned something new about you today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we... um, This is great. This is awesome news. So thank you for bringing it to our attention, Yoshi. And thank you for your lovely email. You can always get to us at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. All right. So that's the emails out of the way. It's time to talk about Binky. One of our favorite subjects, except in a little bit of a different way than uh, you may be expecting. Let's get it started here with Binky Rules. Did you get the reference that this cold open was doing? I was going to ask if you did because I did not. I knew the aesthetic was so uh, specific. Like the colors they used, the way they tried to um, draw the environments. So it's like basically to set the stage with this cold open, it's like black and white, uh, almost like a hand-drawn aesthetic except some uh, objects are red. Uh, and I, th- I really liked this style, um, but I didn't know what it was referencing. And I assume it's referencing something specific because it, it'd be weird otherwise. It is. This is a very old reference. So if you didn't get it, that's totally fine. As a matter of fact, like I, I can't even claim that I got it. I like looked it up. So, you know, I'm not it's not that I'm so smart. Uh, it is a reference to an old PBS show called Mystery. That's mystery with, with an exclamation mark, which was a spinoff of Masterpiece Theater. Uh, oh. The opening to Mystery is done exactly in this uh, style. And uh, so with some shots, like, lifted directly from the opening itself. It's actually pretty cool. And it's a, a great little reference, a great little obscure reference that I really appreciate. Um, yeah, it's done in this really cool, like, gothic black and white style. Uh, and, yeah, it, I, I just I just think it looks really cool. And it's such a fun reference that kids, no, like, no kid got this uh, when they saw that. Or, like, to this day. But looking it up and kind of researching it a little bit, it's uh, I, I really appreciate the tone that they were going for. Yeah, so um, we're talking about we get a voiceover from Fern that there's a mystery afoot, and of course she would be the person for the job. But then we actually switch; we get a uh, the we get a video rewind effect. Yeah, which was which <laughs> like we I get, we, we get Buster being like, "That's not how it was," and then a quick, and then we get. Into more of uh, Buster's like classic noir style detective narration, and the animation changes too. It's back to like neon signs and like a rainy, busy uh, uh, city street. Yeah, and everybody's dressed in like trench coats and hats. Mm-hmm. And uh, like they must have had such fun making this cold open because it's really neat. Uh, and yeah, so it's like Bust, it's like Buster saying that he's a detective for the job. And then Fern and Buster end up arguing to end the cold open. They like literally rip the scene in half. Like it's <laughs> like it's a backdrop. <laughs> I forgot about that, but it's yeah. And, and then like Arthur and Francine come along to tape it back up. It's uh, a very, very visually interesting way to start the show. The, uh, the noir version of Buster's kind of reminds me of like, I recently finished, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation reminds me of those episodes where uh, Picard would go into the um, uh, into the holodeck and do his like uh, detective mysteries. Ah, I see. Yeah, those were always fun episodes. They were fun episodes. There's uh, that one where Moriarty escapes the holodeck. Dude, that's one of What's... the be- that's one of the best episodes of the show. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> that's so cool. That's that whole thing where like Moriarty becomes self aware. 
my goodness gracious. Oh, it's so cool. Uh, the episode itself starts off with, kind of starts off with the mystery. It's, uh, this is actually a Mr. Morris-heavy episode, which I'm pretty cool with. Uh, it's Mr. Morris washing off a graffiti sign that says, Binky Rules. So, obviously, the only Binky we know of is uh, the character. So, uh, I must say, the Binky Rules graffiti, very good uh, very good color paletting. Yeah, it's very New Kids on the Block, Saved yeah. by the Bell, like early 90s pastel I like, green I like, and pink. I like that. I could totally see that on like a, on an NKOTB poster. <laughs> uh, well, it's got to be a good logo because later on we see how heavily merchandised it is, not to get too ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the kids in the playground are listening to a song. And this is actually a real-life song. Uh uh, Jordan Taylor and I talk about this in an upcoming episode, but it is... Uh, I want to make sure I get this name right. It's oh, by I wrote it a, down, too. Yeah, it's by a Finnish folk band uh, called Vartina, and the song is called Matali Ya Musti. And was it, Is it pronounced Vartina? I wasn't sure with all the umlauts. I have no idea. I'm not sure how to pronounce an A with an umlaut, to, to yeah, be completely there's, honest with you. Yeah, both A's have umlauts, if I'm correct. So, like, I know an umlaut is an ooh sound, but I don't know how to do that with an A. So, like, vertina? Vertina. I'm sure, like, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm totally wrong. Uh, but otherwise, it's known it's known by ooh-wee-oo-wee-oo-wee-oo-wee-oo-wee-oo-wee-oo. This is like, uh, this is like Arthur trying to create, like, like a meme song. <laughs> yeah, it's like prototypical mumble rap. ooh wee oh wee oh wee oh wee You can see 21 Savage doing this. Just get some offset like ad libs in there. Mama! Mama! Oh, wheel! Binky! Binky! Yeah. Black? No, it's. You know what? It's like that future song. Um, Oh. What is. It's on my iPod, for goodness sakes. It's it's the one where he's like wee 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 wicked. That's it. Like yes, he's, he's that, I, I was particularly thinking of like a future song. That yeah, it's, it's exactly. And he's he's even saying that. So who knows? Maybe maybe future was uh, was uh, artistically influenced by Binky on his mm. song Wicked. Listen <laughs> listen to Wicked and tell me tell me I'm wrong. Uh, hey, how's this for a blast from the past? Uh, kids listening to the radio to not just listen to a song but find out who the singer is yeah what is this the 70s yeah that's that's a i mean for still i was still listening to radio in the 90s but uh it's just such a weird way it's like uh how when uh like back in the day you would like watch uh music tell mtv or much music to like find out like what's the newest song from your favorite artist it's like oh, like you didn't because yeah. you didn't have google at the time that's right. Yeah, I couldn't just like hop on a pitchfork, or just look up their Wikipedia page. It's just such a it's just such a funny little blast from the past. So the whole so the ongoing thing here is that they keep hearing the song, which they really like, but they have no idea who the artist is, and they uh, keep getting interrupted when they uh, find try and find out who it is. Mister Morris, of course, thinks that Binky did the graffiti, but Binky is pretty adamant that uh, he was not the one to do it. So Mister Morris has him clean off another Binky Rules graffiti that has popped up. Uh, in fact, <laughs> Binky kind of pawns off his uh, his graffiti duty, it, kind of Tom Sawyer style, because like Mr. Morris exits the frame and is just like, I'll go get the brushes. And then the next shot, it's Arthur, Francine, and Buster 
uh, cleaning the Binky graffiti, and Binky's just standing there. He's like, thanks for helping out, guys. D- AKA, AKA doing all the work. And I I mean, I guess I could understand if Binky, like, intimidated them into doing it, but it seems like, I don't know, he just kind of pawned it off, which, hey, as a lazy man, I really respect. So they want to get to the bottom of who exactly did this graffiti if Binky says that he didn't. I do and, also want to point out that the yeah. first piece of graffiti is done with chalk, not with paint, where it's like... I get why Mr. Morris is bad because he's a custodian and he's got to be like, you know, a stickler for these kind of things. But it's chalk. Big whoop. Comes right off. It's true. But and, and normally chalk doesn't look that good. Spray paint is a, is a different story, though, uh, as we'll get into. Uh, so Francine suggests that Binky take her take his problem to Fern, who uh, she we actually get a little bit of continuity from the episode where Fern helped to find uh, Francine's bracelet, a.k.a. one of the best episodes of the last season. So that's where Francine's experience is. And then Arthur's just l- looks at Buster and says, hey, if she wanted the best uh, detective, why didn't she ask you? Uh, and I believe Arthur references the season one episode where Buster Baxter, Private Eye, helped uh, to find the missing quarters. And it's in this conversation where I realized, like, some of my favorite Arthur episodes, and I think some of the writers' favorite ones to write, too, I get that kind of vibe, is the mystery episodes. They go back to that well a lot. Uh, and this episode's a fun exercise in juxtaposing the different types of mystery storytelling, whereas uh, Buster is sort of a hard-boiled uh, noir detective, if you could be that as a little kid. Um, and then Fern is more of the classical Holmesian uh, sort of... Uh, elementary style crime solver. Right. I didn't realize until like I we put them together that like there are two detective characters among the kids and that they would be like competing. Like that's actually that's actually pretty cool. Um there oh there's this great dialogue exchange when uh um Binky and Francine go to Fern who is on like the jungle gym and Fern you know pretty much says that uh uh, her line is a person who wrote their own name in graffiti wouldn't be very smart. And Binky goes, "Yeah," and then it cuts to it, it goes to Francine. And she just goes, "Yeah," <laughs> and then Binky goes, "It wasn't me." And I thought that was done so well. It was so funny. Just yeah, the, the framing's really well. The way like the camera moves from each face to the next. Just the yeah kind of thing. <laughs> um, so essentially, what we have here is. The girls of Lakewood Elementary are putting forth Fern as the better detective, whereas uh, the boys are putting forth Buster as the best detective. I got to be honest with you. We get into a little bit here where um, we're debating the merits of girl detectives versus boy detectives. Like Arthur says, boy detectives find treasure, girl detectives find jewelry or something like that. Yeah, and, and Arthur's it, really spearheading these gendered arguments for some reason. And, uh, and I don't and Muffy says, "And Muffy says, like, how come there's one Nancy Drew and two Hardy Boys? Like, I gotta be honest with you, I throughout this whole episode, and thankfully it doesn't. We don't get too deep into it, but I didn't really like the girls versus boys aspect of this. In fact, Binky has it right on. He says, like, I say they work together, and I'm like, yeah, the, we don't have to make this a girls versus boys thing. It could just be, you know, detective versus detective." Yeah, Binky, as per usual, Binky's the one, like, making logical statements. Um, I'll also say that the argument that boys find treasure, girls find jewelry, like, is so 
uh, benign and like stupid because they're like the same thing. Um, but I, I think that's that's the writers tried to show us that like, yeah. hey, it's dumb to like think about this this way at all. Uh, to, though to their, I, to their credit, it is it is a very childish argument, but they mm, are children, mm, so you know for sure. I'll also say that uh, straight up, Nancy Drew better than the Hardy Boys. That's just like basic facts. Come on. Hmm. I don't really have a dog in that fight, to be honest with you. Uh, one of them is Emma Roberts, and the other one's two zeros. Like, let's get it straight. Have we not had a Hardy Boys movie at this point? I know that Nancy Drew was the Nancy Drew movie wasn't exactly like you know a big money maker or something, but you think by now we would have at least tried. And I wonder, like, I mean, Nancy Drew, she's got a series of PC point and click adventure games. That's right. What yeah. the Hardy Boys ever did? I, and who would you get to play the Hardy Boys? Ooh, um, I'm trying to think of like I could do. You yeah. could do Tom Hardy twice, like in that movie where he plays his own <laughs> twin. Uh, the li- the literal Hardy Boys. Yeah, um, Joseph Gordon. I would say Joseph Gordon Love it, but he's a little old now. I, what about um, what about like um, what about Harry Styles and the guy who's going to play Han Solo? I mean, I I'm just gonna go with my own stand old standby. John Boyega, just get John Boyega to play both the Hardy oh, Boys. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, uh, John Boyega and Daniel Kaluuya, the guy from uh, Get Out. There you go. He's a see. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya is a little old as well, but I I I pick it up on the same wavelength. Or or maybe Chadwick Boseman, Ooh. the Black Panther. I like this. I like this idea. Yeah, and we and we see like as the girls versus boys thing is continuing, like Buster like initially uh, accepts Fern's offer to help, but then like we get a little bit of behind the back brain and Arthur going like sh- shaking their heads, and Buster's kind of influenced by them. And as Fern goes to question uh, Mister Morris about the uh, about the first graffiti's, then we get full on Buster Baxter private eye, and man. Like talking about an episode that must have been fun to make, they must have had a blast uh, thinking of all of the ridiculous things that Buster says in as a gumshoe. Speaking of Joseph Gordon-Lovett, this reminds me of Brick. How in like the movie Brick, how it's a modern high school, but everybody talks like they're in the Maltese Falcon for some reason. Right, right. Um, this, but like Buster takes it to a whole other level here with his detective speak. Like he's like, "Put me wise," and then he tells for to not blow a fuse, Tootsie. Uh, this evidence, this evidence stuff is a wet smack. Like some of this, I don't know if it's this is actual lingo or if they just made it up, but it's all hilarious. It's all entertaining. Like it's close enough that like I'd buy it if I buy that it's like just even even on the same street as these kinds of things. So if I may, I did I did write down a couple of them. Uh, like you got one right there. It was listen, Pinky Crooker. This evidence stuff is a wet smack. All you're gonna do is win the porcelain hairnet. So like it's it's almost like uh, reading a Clockwork Orange. Like you get you sort of get the the NADSAT language, sort of what it's saying, even if you don't get the mechanics of it. Um, the, I think the thing that really like seals the deal on this is there's a moment later on in the episode where Fern takes off Buster's detective hat and he just starts talking like a normal person again, as if he was possessed by the hat to become a 1940s detective. That's right. Uh, I wrote, I wrote that down here. Like the detective lingo is activated by his hat and like, not just that, but also like his voice kind of hardens a little bit. Like it gets a little bit more like 
like straight backed like 1940s he sounds, man. He sounds like what I assume his voice actor's regular voice sounds like. Actually, like he, he sounds like more like a person delivering lines. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is just me, but I could I feel like I could hear the voice actor's natural voice more when he's talking about uh, blowing a fuse, Tootsie. It's got it's it's certainly got to be closer, at least just with just with the depth of it all. Uh, Buster at one point asks Muffy what the score is, and he's and he says, "Hey, go for ball. What do you know about the shenanigag on Binky?" And I didn't realize. So, like, you know, I've said before on the show how, you know, I've said things, uh, like lines from Arthur are things that I say nowadays. There's a couple things in here. Like, first of all, I actually do use the word shenanigag every now and then. See, I was I was like, what. In, what in this sentence could will be taken away? Like I was wondering if you were going to start calling people gopher balls or something. No, I totally uh, forgot sh- about that one. What's the other one? I think I have it written down here. Uh, oh my goodness. I just, I just had it. And uh, Oh, it's actually, no, it's not a thing that Buster says. It's uh, when they talk to Binky again and he's asking like where, where they've gotten with them. Uh, Buster like quickly says like, oh, by the way, Fern thinks it's you. And Fern says, I do not. It's so obviously you. It's obviously not you. And I use that line a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. When it's, when it's like, and and it's very contextual, but it's like, it's so obviously this, it's obviously not this. Uh, I see. You you know what? A lot of times when I'm talking about like where a wrestling storyline is going, I'm just like it's it's so obvious that this is going to happen that they're obviously not going to do that. You know what? That's like the perfect context for that turn of phrase. Uh, so eventually they come up with their uh, with their uh, theories. Uh, Buster's is Buster makes a mistake of uh, going first. or, or maybe maybe it would have been better if he was second. I don't know. Uh, but his idea is that Binky has an evil twin. And not just an evil twin. Like, he, like Binky has, like, a Dark Souls villain that came out of his rib or something. It's this... Yeah, it's, or, or, or Bloodborne. Like, he's, like, an evil twin. But for some reason, whenever he, Arthur has to show an evil twin, they're always a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde character for some reason. Like, they always have, like, that crazy coat that goes over your shoulders and with, like, a cape and a cowl and, like, a top hat. And for some reason, like, this evil twin Binky's eye is, like, grotesquely closed and one is stuck open. Yeah, he's got, like, pink eye in that one good eye. <laughs> it, and, I, and I see now, like, just watching it back, the thing that keeps his uh, that keeps his cape on is, like, a backwards B. He's got, like, a backwards B kind of, like, clip. Oh, my but, goodness. The only thing he's missing is a goatee. Yeah, really. How do you not? How do you do evil Binky and not have a goatee? Which uh, I love the reaction from Binky to this theory of just like, wow, an evil twin. I wonder where he lives. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines of the episode. Uh, Ferns is a bit more plausible in that she thinks a rival soccer team is doing this to get Binky in trouble so that he won't play against them in like an upcoming tournament, which is not a bad idea, but still a little misguided. And I did like the. Uh, after after each of them present their theory, like Arthur and Francine are both like this. Oh, brother, you sure showed them. And well, I love what's great about it is that uh, Francine does it first with Fern, like evil twin. How ridiculous. Yeah. But then it cuts to Arthur saying the same thing. to He's like a soccer team. Whoa, that's ludicrous. Yeah. It's obviously it's... an evil twin. <laughs> yeah, that is really funny. Uh, 
So B- Binky gets in trouble again for another Binky rules graffiti up there, to which he blames on the evil twin. Um, they do some Fern and Buster team up to do a bit of like actual detective footwork. They take a bit of uh, paint, acrylic paint that they take from the latest one, and they take it to a new character that we've never seen. Mis- I was just gonna write down new character alert: the paint shop owner, Mister Geary, who owns the local hardware store. And we see him for, like, three seconds, and he's out of there. And also, he seems to be a completely different animal that we haven't seen as a character yet. Like, usually when they just have a side character, they just make them, like, a gray rabbit. But I don't know what Mr. Geary is. Yeah, it's... Pointy ears. Yeah, it might be, like, uh, maybe, like... No, prairie dogs can have droopy ears, don't they? Maybe, maybe like, a cat? I'm not a hundred percent on this one. Anyway, I'm I, I'm I'm fairly confident that Mr. Geary is going the way of Spanky, and that we'll never see him again. Not and until uh, Arthur twenty five. Yeah, and I then dare they'll have to go to the paint shop. I dare them to bring up Mr. Geary. Anyway, be a poker game between Spanky, Mr. Geary, <laughs> um, uh, Arthur's co- Arthur's cousin Cora, Arthur's cousin Cora, Arthur's great uncle. Um. Yeah. There and uh, that guy. That's uh, their grandpa's buddy. Oh. Uh. Oh, who's? Oh. Oh. Ed. 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 Yeah. They're all gonna be backstage playing poker with one another. Uh. So, uh, just by complete chance, Buster hears the uh the song, and they turn around a corner and find the solution, which they revealed to be. A get this a radio station ad campaign that is meant to drum up uh, support for the band whose name is Binky. Now this has yeah. got to this has got to go down as like one of the worst viral marketing campaigns ever. They're like they they are continuously spray painting one location with this band's name. And then I'm also like really confused about. So at first I thought this guy. This like sleaze ball that's like, hey, sorry about this. I'm managing. He, I thought he was the band's manager because he's got that look and he's riding with the band. Uh, and of course, that's who would be in charge of marketing the band. Uh, this sort of boots on the ground viral marketing campaign, right? Yeah. But later on in this next episode, we figure out this guy's actually a radio DJ from the local radio station. Now, Will, you and I have worked in radio in our illustrious careers. Have you ever? Heard of a radio station doing this sort of marketing for a band? It just seems weird. No, this seems like incredibly uh, misguided, uh, ill-timed, ill-conceived. Like this is this is, somebody's somebody's got to be raked over the coals for this one. This is just bad. N- not only that, but he's also like the most radio guy that's ever existed. Of just yeah, like, he's very Johnny Radio. Hey, yeah. what's going on? I'm the host. He's I got, love Binky. He's got the yeah. shade. He's got the shades on. He's got the Chris Jericho scarf. He's got the turtleneck. It's like, ugh. What do you think of me here? Anyway, they pass out albums for Binky. Uh, they Arthur says the album has 32 songs. Yeah, what is this, that Chris Brown album from last year that had, like, 40 songs on it? Ugh, I hope not. But, yeah, you don't hear a, uh, an album that big these days, or even really hardly at all, except if you're, Let's see. you know, unless they're, like, it's it's like a bunch of, like, two-minute songs, like it's a punk album. Or if it's, like, a double like a double album, like that Guns N' Roses one. Yeah, yeah we're going to figure out right now, what do you think, just go with your gut, does the Chris Brown album have more songs than the Binky album? 
Heartbreak on a Full Moon. Yes. I want to hear your guess, Will. You're going to say yes. The Chris Brown album has more? Yeah. All right. I'm on Wikipedia. Here we go. Track list. Oh, my God. So on disc one, there's 22 songs. Oh, oh who is the time? And on disc two, there is 18 songs. Who could care? <laughs> who could care enough? Like... Oh, get, there's uh, so get, many songs on this Chris Brown album. Get all the way out of my face with that. Who, who is this for? <laughs> <laughs> that's the that, that's the question that'll haunt the rest of my year. In like case, no one was no one was like, hey, we could cut like maybe twenty. You know what I mean? So that people will actually want to <laughs> listen to it. Oh my god! So you know how at the top Wikipedia pages have a uh, minute length? <laughs> yeah. One fifty eight thirty three. One hundred and fifty eight minutes of twenty seventeen. Chris Brown. Oh, barf! barf Coming at I, you live. Barf I'd rather listen to Binky. This is this is this is this is horrible. <laughs> okay, let's. I I don't want to talk about this anymore. I can't believe this exists. Uh, so they we end the, we end the episode. The, we end the story with the song. And we get one more line from Buster. Hit it up, Skeezix. I'm in Nottaville. I guess that's Buster's version of forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Maybe so. Uh, And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Speaking speaking of mysteries. Yeah, uh, more so than a lot of other word from us kids. Like, there's not a lot of jokes to be made about this. It's basically kids, like, they, they print it out on some paper paw prints, and then the kids go through, around the school finding them. They're separated into different teams named after Arthur characters. Uh, I guess the only piece of analysis I could bring to this is that it's kind of anticlimactic because they get to the end of the little scavenger hunt, and it's like a printed cutout of a, a turkey. And it's like, woo! you found this printed out turkey one group finds an actual little toy turtle and i'm like wow the other groups must be jealous of that one because they got a 3d thing as opposed to a printed out turkey this reminded me of a few of like some things that i used to do in elementary school i used to love stuff like this when the teachers would make like little scavenger hunts and quests for you to go on this like i i can't remember anything specific but it's kind of like the same reason why i like escape rooms it's like you just have a, a challenge that somebody else made, and you have to solve it. And I don't know. It just it brought me back to a more innocent time, and I appreciate that. I also like this one kid at the end, like after they find all the animals, and, we, and one of them says, I think we solved the mystery. A very good final line to it all. You just need to like jump in the air and then a freeze frame. Yeah, for real. Uh, which, which team would you have been on? There was the Arth- uh, team the- DW. Yeah, the for D- sure. The DW team is where it's at, man. And now, back to okay, uh, second half of this episode, and sort of another, kind of like last week, where it was like sort of a big long episode. This one is also about Binky. It's called Meet Binky. In fact, Binky, Binky, Binky. This cold open is all about Binky. <laughs> It's uh, like one of those like old movie trailers where they just put a bunch of clips of people saying the main character of the movie's name over and over again. Yeah, like or even like a new like Baby Driver, they're like Baby, Baby, Baby. That's like this with Binky. Yeah, th- that reminds me of I think it was for the world is not enough of just like da na 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 
Bond. 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 That kind of thing. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Everybody's talking about Binky. <laughs> no, not that Binky. Got to get one of those jokes in there. Uh, apparently, mm. Binky the band, I, and, and I, this won't play on... Uh, a podcast, but in my notes, uh, the Binky the band is in all caps, like a like a ja- like a Japanese wrestler. <laughs> uh, so Binky Binky's album apparently went number one in two hours. Yep, climbing up the Billboard charts. It's a regular uh, Bodak Yellow. This Wee 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 song. <laughs> yeah, Binky doesn't dance. They make money moves. <laughs> Just looking at the fastest selling albums here. Um, Watch it be that Chris Brown album. Yeah. No, so, never. So I have it for the United Ah United States. Here we go. Uh, actually, I think it's the same for United States, and it's uh, twenty five by Adele. Um, do we have the 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 fastest number one song? What's the because that's what it's go that went to one one number one. I thought was the song that uh, the the wheel 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 song. Uh hmm. I think it's I think it's actually it might be Believer by Imagine Dragons if uh ugh, ugh, all right let's move on. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah and then there's a list of like Billboard Hot 100 number 1 debuts. Uh but yeah so Adele, Imagine Dragons, I guess uh, Binky's in uh good company depending on who you talk to. Um Binky seems to be t- uh I I like this. Uh so there's a couple of references made in this cold open to uh, Binky's relationship to Crazy Bus, like the. Oh, the, this part was great. The radio guy says, uh, "You know, for the forty-second time today, Binky, and in the water, and in the whatever happened to category, Crazy Bus, and he like f- literally throws a Crazy Bus CD into the trash can. <laughs> so I guess Binky is also kind of like a novelty one-hit wonder kind of song." Binky again, again and again and again. <laughs> uh, what uh, I, I I wish I, I kind of wish I thought this through a bit more. Like if Crazy Bus and uh, Binky had a real world analog in terms of one hit wonders. Oh, oh, easy, easy, easy. I, I I thought about this when I was coming up with the episode. Okay. What what other what other novelty song reached such viral heights? And came from a foreign country of origin. Why, Will? It's the, the 2013 uh, classic Gangnam Style. Oh, okay. I was I was thinking, what does the fox say? Oh, God. Oh, no. The, yeah. You know what? We found the two. <laughs> uh, cra- what, is this, what does the fox say is crazy, bus? And Gangnam Style is the Binky song. What, Wonderful. What does the bus say? And Binky Style. Oh jeez. <laughs> okay, I can I can I can deal with that. Um yeah, so there's binky shirts, binky hats, uh mm. even a binky bread maker. This parody is like super specific to the time and place. I feel like you don't see merchandising that like this the way you used to in the 90s. Like with like, you know, like Backstreet Boys or even like WWE Raw, like the way there was like a hat with everything's logo on it and like a shirt with everything's logo on it. I feel like you don't see the same widespread merchandising unless it's something like a Marvel movie or Star Wars. 
I think back in the 90s, like, every band had, like, its own brand of lunchboxes and shirts and, and waffle makers or whatever. Well, it's just so wasteful. There's so much garbo out there with Binky's name on it. They even have a store, for goodness sakes, the Binky store. Um, I, Binky pop-up, come get it. Th- this whole episode kind of is an interesting commentary on, like, the one-hit wonders relation to the music industry a little bit. You could definitely read a bit more into it, and you definitely don't have to. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely... Uh, we still get one-hit wonders today, but it was a lot different back in the late 90s because you had a lot of, like, pop one-hit wonders that would get merchandised like crazy, especially to kids in Arthur's demographic. Yeah, I wonder if there was like a B44 bread maker. <laughs> oh, I'd never expect anyone else to know what B44 is except for me. Do Americans know about B44? I'll never know. I Hey, if you're American, write into the show. Have you heard of B44? Yeah, and they're unbelievably dirty one-hit wonder. <laughs> like kids make sure your parents are out of the room before you listen to that song it's uh it's, it's, my all oh sorry my all-time favorite episode of video on trial is the uh the one where they do that b44 song video on trial i used to love that show uh, the only the only uh regret i have about it is that uh it made nicole arbor famous who is uh <laughs> Not uh, not a good comedian, but uh, yeah, no. I used to I used to love video on trial. I used to want to be on video on trial. I, w- <laughs> I wish I could still be on video on trial. To be honest with you, you know, one of these days we should we should use our our uh, what little podcast fame we have to get on video on trial. Is it? I don't think it's still airing. Is it? It's not. We got to bring it back. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Get, so, okay. So. Uh, people out there, bring back video on trial and then put us on there as like regulars. <laughs> I would love it. Okay, so we begin this episode actually with brand new characters. We have an interviewer for like a uh, like an MTV style TV show, I'm guessing, and the manager of Binky, Svern Smith, who is a uh, kind of looks like Bob Rock, the uh, the legendary record producer, except he's got the Finnish accent. He's got star sunglasses and he's got like um what would you call that hairstyle where it's like he's got it on the sides kind of flowing down but nothing up top oh i don't know i i know exactly what you're talking about but i'm not sure uh what it's called um i i think now is as good a time as any to point out that the finnish accents in this episode oh oh boy are just they're something else if we have any Finnish listeners, and I really oh, hope that I we... apologize, because e- basically everybody in this episode is is going full on the Swedish chef from the Muppets, where they're all like, oh, big big time. And like, if if you have any like Finnish ancestry, if you know anybody who speaks Finnish, like, or and speaks Finnish, I don't even know if that's correct, but uh, anybody with like Nordic ancestry, like, tell us what you think about this binky accent like this is it's because it's clearly mostly like the regular voice actors of arthur just doing the the specifically arthur's dad yeah yeah i definitely heard that uh and i mean hey it's whatever it's it's a kid's show but like i really hope that this didn't offend anybody (laughs) yeah yeah like it's it's as think about how over a top it could be and then add a couple levels to that that's what the finished accents are this episode i actually think severns is probably the the best of them just because it sounds a bit more natural it doesn't quite follow the cadence 
It almost sounds it almost sounds French a little bit. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the the ones on Binky are uh, well. We'll we'll get to it. Uh, so Severn's talking about uh, you know it's kind of the parody of the uh, the up his own butt uh, music manager, and he's but he's also like a wolf, so he's got a little bit of a howl, like like get your tickets now, now, no, please. So I, I thought that was kind of cute. Um, yeah, so the uh, as the cold open says, uh, they're going to be selling binky tickets for a binky concert. Uh, we see uh, Slink and his family are first in line to the binky concert. They have an inflatable couch. And then Rattles is right behind them, and he's cooking up meat on the hibachi. Yeah, tickets go on sale in six hours, and people are already lining up, and it's like a supreme drop. Like, people are lined up not only around the block... But as we soon learn, all the way to the countryside. So the line, I guess, goes outside of, oh, and get ready, I'm looking at the camera, the Elwood City limits. Ooh, the literal limits. I didn't even think about that. Man. Come on, Will. Like, you, you got one show here. You got to stay on top of these things. I'm glad you caught that, Lucas. Thank you. Um, uh, so Francine... Uh, Buster and Prunella are waiting in line. Uh, Prunella is actually one of the backup friends for this episode. And uh, uh, Buster said, like, they're wondering where Arthur is. Like, he was supposed to meet them there. And Buster says, uh, this is one of the most important events in this or any other century. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> the Alamo? Uh, not as important as Binky. <laughs> the Alamo. Uh, and we cut, we cut, this is funny. We cut to, uh, Arthur getting dragged along, uh, shoe shopping with DW and she's, I don't know if she knows that he's, uh, like that, that Arthur's like waiting to go to the line or anything, but she's like taking an elongated time. Just like, Hmm, do I want these shoes or do I want these shoes? And Arthur's like dying next to her. Also, I got to point out, both of DW's choices of shoes, I would say, are not optimal. One of them are like a purple leather, she describes, and the other ones are red checkered moccasins. Boy, if you don't! No. <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's that level, eh? Yeah. Uh, so, yes, of course, the, he's very late to get in the line, and they have to basically drive to the next county, uh, like past farmland, to get Arthur in, into line. But... A little bit of a plot hole here. He could have just butt in with his friends. I mean, that's what I would have done. Absolutely. I figured that's what they were waiting for him for. But, hey, all's fair in love and binky. So I guess guess they just couldn't couldn't stand to give up. Or maybe maybe the line was just really cutthroat about cuts. So they get their seats are in the A row. And I wrote down Arthur's uh, ticket row. Like, this must be a huge huge venue because he is in row 739 xxx yeah i wonder what that even means like they like there's not just a there's not just an x row there's not just an xx row there's an xxx row you know your seats are bad where they sound like a year in a mega man game <laughs> i even looked at that of like 739-xxx and i was like what is that is that like is that was that like a Mega Man game? I was like, oh right, that was a that was a seat. So yeah, Arthur does not have very good seats. Uh, they go into a local store and they see like a binky standee, and uh, 
Buster's like, wouldn't it be cool to meet Binky? Buster's like, come on, that would never happen. They never talk to us. And Buster's like, yeah, but they talk to our parents, and we'd be right there. I don't know. I, I kind of like I got I got a kick out of the uh, like they wouldn't talk to us kids, but they would talk to our parents who are also adults, and we could just look at them. <laughs> we get a we get like a th- a, a triple threat of uh, Binky cutaways for uh, Francine. Buster and Arthur of like how they would be able to interact with Binky through their parents. So like in Buster's, his mother's interviewing them and he takes a picture of them and he goes, Binky interview Uh, in Francine's. She rescues a, um, she rescues the, the accents in Francine's are like especially heinous. Oh boy. They're like, this is where we really get started on it. So like essentially uh, Francine, uses her dad's garbage truck to rescue like a precious bracelet or something uh, from, from the trash. And like, <laughs> like I, I, I know we lambasted the bink, the binky accents, but they do make me laugh as, as bad as they are because one of, one of the binky uh, people's just like, you know, my precious Nicholas, how could I let it fall in the trash? <laughs> And then the other one's like... It's, it's not even so much the accent as is her, like, stilted delivery is also really weird. <laughs> and then what? And then the other one goes, do you hear something? Oh, man. Yikes, brother. It's bad. Uh, and... And I liked, I liked Francine's the most. She comes out of her, her imagination and she just goes, binky garbage. <laughs> <laughs> And then classic rule of threes, we get Buster's imagination. No, Ar- Arthur's. Because Ar- Ar- excuse me, Arthur's. Arthur's, yes. Arthur's is the most disappointing because he imagines them talking to his mom, and she's of course she's of course uh, does taxes and accounting, and so she goes, "Looks like you owe an additional billion dollars." And they just they walk away like thinking about like how broke they are, and like you even hear one of them be like, "We're never going to pay at all." And, and then Arthur's like, "What about my autograph?" And then Arthur comes out of he's just like, "Binky taxes." Uh, he goes, "Binky taxes, yuck." Yeah, yuck. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, they're playing hockey the next day, and I really liked this line uh, because, again, you and I have kind of been there. Uh, Arthur says, "So when are you guys gonna meet Binky?" Uh, and Buster says, "My mom says Binky's not hard news." <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> council meetings binky is not uh and francine says her dad just laughed at her uh and then francine also says that uh it, or sorry buster mentions that sometimes at concerts they call up people to the stage to dance with them and arthur gets a bit excited but then francine's like arthur the concert will be over by the time you get there and arthur thinks about it and <laughs> Like revisiting a lot of these things, I like they didn't make me laugh at the time, but just kind of talking them out. They're so ridiculous in a fun way. So Arthur imagines himself at the concert. First of all, he's all the way in the back row, and he has to have a te- like he's given a complimentary uh, standing telescope to view the concert, which I think is really funny. Yeah, what's crazy is that like he's he's in the back, but it's not even a row. Like his seat is above everybody else's seat seats and there's no seats around him like he's like a chair that's off to the side with this giant telescope in front of it and uh the interview the interviewer from before 
uh, says that he has, like, the worst concert tickets ever. Yeah, I don't know what this is supposed to be a parody of. She's just got, like, this Valley Girl accent. But this really is the episode of throwaway, what-off characters from the hardware store owner to this girl who's like, Arthur. And then and then she tells him that he's been invited to dance with Binky. So he starts running to the stage, and then we cut. It's like a fade cut to him still running and, like, out of breath as he gets to the stage. Everybody's gone, but not just that. Uh, he gets to the stage and says, where is everybody? Buster comes out of nowhere and says, the concert ended three years ago, Arthur. We're in the sixth grade now. And then Francine appears with his uh, with a wheelbarrow of his homework assignments from the last three years. So <laughs> it took Arthur, not only did it take him three years to make it to the stage, it looked like he didn't age at all. So he ended up running through some time loop where, <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I don't know what's more disturbing, the fact that Arthur didn't age or that this stadium doesn't house any events for three years. What a money suck on the on the municipal tax system. Or that Arthur just ran through them all. Like, Ar- maybe maybe Arthur's like the Flash and he just like broke, the, broke, uh, the, broke through the speed force and went forward in time. So Arthur's pretty miserable about his seats and all that sort of thing. Uh, and... Uh, He's talking to his dad about it, who uh, asks him if he can help him cater an event. He's doing the catering for some concert. Hey, wait. It's at the Civic Auditorium, too. And this actually made me realize that Arthur's dad must get to cater some wicked cool events. Well, Every- yeah. Like, if you're working any catering gig, like, a lot, a lot of people I've known that have done catering is if you do it in, like, a movie set or whatever, you get to meet all the stars. I know a guy who met Edge on the set of uh, Haven. Oh, that's cool. I uh, My uh, my mom uh, did some tutoring for a uh, local uh, mo- uh, movie that was filmed here locally, and she got to meet Ethan Hawke. Ooh. So, yeah, you get to rub shoulders a little bit. Kind of cool. Um, yeah, and so Arthur is immediately, like, he literally gets stars in his eyes because he's, I'm going to meet Binky. And uh, he has an imagination about meeting Binky. And, of course, it's it's one of the more, like, heavy on the wish fulfillment things. Because, like, one of them says, We could tell you're the most interesting of our fans, Arthur. <laughs> they, ta- they take him in the limousine. They sing with him. And then all of a sudden, in the imagination, Svern is driving the limo. And then he just faints. Like, he just and the, <laughs> collapses on the wheel, and then Arthur's like, oh, no, he fainted. <laughs> Someone goes, we're out of control. We're out of control. That's the guy who I think is also voiced by uh, by uh, Arthur's dad. About uh, 60% of this episode are, like, imagination sequences. This episode's heavy on, like, the like expectations of what it's like to beat Binky. And, of course, in Arthur's head, he is the hero of the day. He uh, creates a makeshift lasso out of rope and a French horn. And he throws it He throws it out of the window like a French horn? Like, of all things. Uh, and he manages to stop them from careening off a cliff. And then Binky is so grateful that he, they invite him to luge with them. Because, I don't know, finish, I guess. Yeah, that must be like a Finland culture. Like, if when people say like Holland, they think galoshes and windmills. I guess Finland's thing is the luge. Yeah, uh, 
this is actually when it, when I was a kid. This is where I eventually found out what Luge was. I'd never heard of it before this. Arthur's dad invites Arthur to bring his friends along with them, and he's excited at first. But then we go to another dream sequence, uh, and I love this line from Svern. He just goes, "Here's a bunch of kids," <laughs> and then uh, the the they get turned down by Binky because they wouldn't fit in the limo. And Which then some limo, eh? Yeah. Like the whole purpose of the limo is that it could fit an exorbitant, exorbitant amount of people. And so Severn tosses them some binky frozen vegetables, which everybody's disgusted by, except Buster, who loves turnip. And then they drive away, and Arthur just screams, "Wait, what about Luge?" <laughs> uh, and uh, I love, uh, I love this. Uh, Arthur kind of is like, you know, I don't think that they would really uh, have fun with that. Besides, Francine is allergic to curtains, so. Just pulling anything out to just make it work. Uh, and I love this. Um, his friends just like inadvertently rubbing it in of just like. Uh, oh, I like, like this if my too. If my mom gets to interview uh, Binky, Buster says, then uh, you can come along too. Like what else are friends for? And I was just <laughs> like, yeah. We actually get a little bit of continuity because Binky comes up to Arthur and says the radio station uh, gave him free tickets because of, because of uh, all the trouble they caused and uh, like how they got him in trouble, and he offers Arthur to sit with him and his mom, which is really cool. And Vicky says, "I know you do the same." <laughs> and Arthur almost offers uh, to take him backstage, but then realizes that Binky will Binky the band will surely be enamored with Binky the boy. So uh, like Binky, 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 Binky. Oh, and a kid with glasses. Uh, I mean, like, if I was gonna, if let's say me uh, and someone named, hmm, uh, let me, th- someone. If with you had a friend the, named Migos, yeah. If I had a friend named Migos, I think they'd be pretty ecstatic to meet Migos. Or let's say I knew someone named Panic at the Disco. Uh, they. I think Mr. Paddock would be a lot more exciting than some kid with glasses. Right, and so so eventually Arthur doesn't he, Arthur doesn't tell his friends before the show, uh, and him and his dad take the food to the Binky show. Um, we we get a we get an important little uh little scene that looks to be throwaway where Arthur puts his food in what looks to be a trash can, but we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, he meets uh the manager. He meets Svern and this other guy who is another one-off character. Uh, who's like a typical sort of nerdlinger uh, uh, tech guy who's who's dre- who's dressed very nice. He kind of looks Again, like that's that's he, how many one off characters in this episode. So we have Svern. We yeah. have this guy. Yeah. We have Binky the band. We yeah. have the radio DJ. Mm-hmm. We have, again, the one I can't get over, the guy that works at the hardware store. Mr. Gary. Yeah. I think that that's, that's eight. That's eight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I will say that's I'll, a lot for two twenty. That's a lot for a twenty-two minute episode of television. Eight new characters that just serve their purpose in this one episode. I will say this as well: the guy that uh, the IT guy who is kind of the person behind Binky uh, reminds me a little bit of Austin Walker. Oh, that's uh, interesting. I'll have to take a look at him. Yeah, you, you might have to look at him again. Uh, and Austin Walker, a bit a bit more of a bigger guy, but kind of has the same. 
sort of uh, like I I can imagine this guy walking up to Ar- Arthur and saying, "Yo, what's good, Arthur?" <laughs> I can see that too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Arthur has a very brief struggle about whether or not to invite his friends. Like, he feels bad that he didn't, and then he just does anyway. So, like, it wasn't exactly a, an episode-long, uh, ordeal as to whether or not to bring them backstage. He just kind of feels bad about it, and then decides to go to, go into the audience and tell them to come backstage and they can meet Binky. Still worth it for the hilarious guilt trips. Like, especially when Buster's, like... Uh, I know you do the same for me. Like that's yeah. what friends are for. Like, th- I know this was like kind of a throwaway thing, but I did love that joke. Uh, so they finally get to meet Binky, and it is revealed thanks to the uh, the magic of the Troglobite Two Thousand. Binky is not real. They are a virtual band. They're they're a band of Tupac holograms. I was going to say, I can't tell if this is like, I'm trying to think of the time and place here. So I'm trying to figure out if if this is a gem in the holograms joke, maybe like a, a take on like the Chuck E. Cheese, like animatronic performers, or is Arthur just Nostradamus and it's predicting both the Tupac hologram and Hasuni Miku? Well, and, and I mean, it's, I don't think it, actually, it may have been around the same time that I, I, I wrote down here, Binky is kind of the Arthur version of gorillas. Oh, my, them too. See, add it to the list. I feel like virtual bands were, like, sort of a thing, and definitely a lot more now, like you said, with Hatsune Miku, who is literally this. It's, like, just a hologram, essentially. <laughs> or true. just Or just, like, a... And no, no, she's she's a hologram. Like when you go to a live Hatsune Miku concert, there is a live band, but it, because the thing that made me think of Hatsune Miku as opposed to the Tupac hologram is that the uh, the nerd guy points out that the voice is completely synthetic, and right. that it's like a, a vocoder similar to how Hatsune Miku is. And uh, they they show they. Get Binky. Into- I wonder if in Finland you could download an app and it's like uh, Binky's there and they're like it's it's the Domino's Pizza app, but Binky shows up on your Domino's Pizza, and it's like oh wow, I have a little private Binky concert on my Domino's Pizza. I could see that happening. Uh, so the it turns out the uh, the garbage can, the thing that Arthur thought was a garbage can, was actually like the thing that they used to make uh, the Binky VR. And they start to go a little bit haywire, and they discover Arthur's uh, garbage. And he's like, I thought it was a trash can. Sorry. Yeah, for some reason, a banana peel being placed in this garbage can causes their torsos to detach from the rest of their body and sort of skip it that way. I'm not sure about the science behind it, but whatever. And thankfully, they fix it. And we kind of get, like, we get a real quick denouement with this. They're, like, they're just back in the... uh, in their seats, Arthur's uh, did take Binky up on his offer to use one of his tickets, and they're just like, "Boy, that sure was weird." Sometimes it's just better off not knowing like the re- the real thing or something. And then Binky just gets on stage, and we're out of there. Yeah, no, he's like, "I'd rather have a bunch of real friends than a fake group." And like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I-, I guess that's it then. All right, so. We finally got to talk about Binky. Uh, is this another one where we uh, should we talk about both individually, or is it like one big episode? No, I think they're different enough that okay. uh, they're two different episodes. All right, so let's go back to Binky rules. What'd you think of Binky rules? 
I actually really liked Biggie Rules. Um, it's a, Again, I'm a sucker for Biggie as a character and feel sympathetic to him, but I also really love when Arthur has a mystery episode because you can always see how much fun the writers are having, even when it's not your classic, like, Fern or Buster mystery episode. Like, for instance, the, uh, the Scare Your Pants Off books one is just a mystery, right? Um, and I find that's really fun, but I think it's extra fun is when they play with these genre tropes, specifically Fern always having a sort of murder on the Orient Express classic mystery novel style mystery and, uh, Buster being more of a hard boiled detective. It's got a real like Sherlock Holmes versus the Maltese Falcon feel. Um, and I think that's really unique to this episode and it's really fun to watch, um, Fern and Buster putting on this ridiculous manner of speaking interact and try and do some actual detective work like when they go back to the hardware store that's that's how real detective work's done it's all clerical and checking receipts and stuff like that um I will say there is that negative part of this episode where they're talking about like boys drool girls rule and all that stuff I could do without that because it's like you said a little bit childish I know for this kid's show uh, but I think the mystery of that episode's really fun, and I think the comedy really works with all the Binky humor and Binky, like, swearing he's innocent, even though he's, he, and he's not dumb enough to write his own name on the wall, uh, and I think the conclusion that it was a band, and it was a band that plays this hit finish song, which is so weird and, like, out of left field, uh, I think it all ties to together really well. Uh, I think I like the individual parts of this episode better than like the entire experience, and I don't mean that to to sound you know negative or anything, because I think that like the, there are parts of this that I think are really really fun, especially like you said, the the, the detective p- portions of it. I love Fern, and I'm glad that we're continuing to use her, especially in her detective role. I love Buster Baxter, Private Eye, and add <laughs> and adding this kind of wrinkle to his character of like taking it taking his role so literally is really fun. And I thought that added a lot to the, just the character of the episode. Um, I thought we got some, some great lines here, especially when it came to Binky. Yeah. As I said, I'm not a huge fan of the girls versus boys thing. And in the end, it like, it felt like a very light episode. Like it didn't feel like a lot happened by the end of it. Uh, but I, I still had fun. I still had fun. And I, uh, um, I also really, uh, kind of dig that song. Like it's it's just it's just kind of fun. It's uh, you know it doesn't really get too annoying, especially because you hear it a lot, and it's just kind of kind of nice. So yeah, I would say I'm uh, I'm pretty cool with this one. It is a little bit of an earworm, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. I mean it's it's the it's the true essence of the earworm in that like it's as simple as you please, and uh, just is easy to th- easy to drift off and think about. Uh, meet Binky. I'm a little. I guess milder on. I, I I wouldn't say there's anything I dislike about it either. And there are some things about it that I that I, I think are pretty funny. Like honestly, as much as like I do think that the Finnish accents are like eh, a little bit maybe on the less than good taste side. They di- I can't say they didn't make me laugh. So I'm sure that's all that was there for. Um, I thought that the kind of the fact that this episode was about Arthur was maybe it's weakest part because I feel like the whole conflict of, you know, Arthur getting bad seats and then like then getting this great opportunity to meet Binky and then whether or not to share it with his friends. Like I felt it was a little weak, uh, but I liked this kind of the things the, this is actually one that I wish was an ensemble episode where we got to kind of see 
more of everybody's thoughts instead of just kind of centering it around Arthur. I liked how the binky phenomenon kind of took over their lives and all that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, some, some good lines in here and all that. I, I'd say I'm, yeah, like I said, a bit milder on it than the first half. But it's still, you know, it's it's still pretty decent fun. Um, I would say this episode, like, I think it's a little uneven. Uh, it's really funny. Like, there's so many moments in this episode that are just so, like, over the top that it's hilarious. Specifically, all the imagination sequences with the, the limo almost getting into an accident. And then Arthur being the hero. They're all on the luge. Or Francine becoming, like, their best friend after she finds stuff in the garbage. Like, all that's really, really funny and over the top. And the fact that this episode ends with it being, like, a holographic band is equally weird and and strange uh it's a really odd episode um and i think it, that kind of it works in its benefit and it also works as a detriment it works at a, as a benefit because it's really funny and it's pretty entertaining but i think it's detrimental in that it's a little bit hard to follow sometimes like we go we flash back and forth from reality to the kids imagination so often in this episode that i feel like we don't get enough of the reality of the situation and so it just kind of gets uh, it becomes a little bit difficult to care about anything because we're it's just so fantastical, I found. Uh, still, though, that doesn't mean it's not entertaining. It just means it won't be one of the episodes that stick with me for a while. Okay, that's I, I, I actually didn't think about the fact that it is, that it is a little bit hard to follow, but I kind of see where you're coming from with that. No, fair enough. And, uh, you know, I when I was watching it, it you know it's funny the the effect of the podcast when I was watching it I think I was a little bit more in the middle on it but talking about it and like just kind of looking at the different parts and laughing about them I think has actually improved this episode mm. overall so uh, yeah I'm glad that we were able to do that and it I don't think it I think I probably propped it up uh, in my mind to be maybe a bit better than it actually is but all that said it was still a fun time. I, I think it's it's I think the reason it's so memorable is just like <laughs> again it's such a crazy situation now I understand why we remembered it from when we were kids like both both episodes have such a just odd plot device of one episode it's someone impersonating Binky writing his graffiti on the school and then it becomes a marketing thing from a radio station like what a strange plot uh, and then the second one's about Arthur sort of falling in and then out of love with a holographic band. Like, it's we're starting to get into that season three weirdness, and I'm all for that. Me too, and, ne- and never think that we're not, because I, I, want this, I want this show to get weird. I want it to get meta. I want it to, like, have things to say. Like, this is, as, as much as this, maybe this episode wasn't the greatest thing in the world, like, it's exactly in the direction that I want the show to be going. So uh, it's all it's all good, baby. And what did you think? Are you a member of the Binky Bandwagon? Let us know by getting in touch with us. And here is exactly how you can do that. We're on social media. Bas- oh, before we get into the plugs, I will say this. Of just a conclusive thing to wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would much rather watch Binky Rules and, and, and these, these two Binky episodes then listen to that exorbitantly long Chris Brown album. Any day, every day, dude. 
That's right. Uh, so, like I say, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Send us a, a like over there and a review if you like. Uh, you can go to at ECL Podcast on Twitter. Uh, 135 followers. Thank you to every one of them. On Tumblr, we are uh, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. You can also send us a PM over there if you have a question. Or you can send it to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, you can find us at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N. That's where all of our uh, past episodes are. You can go to Apple Podcasts on your iTunes player or on your uh, Apple device, or you can also go to Google Play and find the podcast there. All right, Season 3, it rolls on. We're into it. Uh, hopefully, the ne- well, the next time that we are on the show together, we will be talking about... Uh, so I, I know exactly what these ones are about. And, you know, we talked about how Arthur kind of represented, um, kind of a, a 90s phenomenon or just kind of a, a general music phenomenon with one hit wonders here. Next week, Arthur rides the bandwagon. Do you remember this one? No, I don't. I wonder if it's about like the Macarena or something. Uh, no, I mean, close ish. But I'm very excited for us to kind of get onto the topics that this one raises. That plus Dad's Dessert Dilemma. Ooh, gotta love that alliteration. Absolutely. All right, so we will be uh, hitting you up next time for some more Arthur goodness. I hope you have a great week. Hang in there. We've had some uh, crazy weather uh, as we uh, get into the real doldrums of winter. So stay safe and keep on listening. And recommend this show to a friend. My name's Will Young for Lucas Mancini. Pinky frozen vegetables. Uh, that's Elwood City Limits. See you next time. <laughs>